kingdom of God has already arrived. And if you really believed that, you wouldn't be freaking out every time there's an election. No matter what we see going on in the news, no matter how great the enemy threat, no matter how weak the economy, no matter how corrupt the government, no matter how intense the persecution, no matter who sits in the Oval Office, no matter if the United States rises or falls, kingdom citizens rest their hope on this. God is still on his throne. Jesus is our king and his kingdom reigns over all. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Well, last week we began a new series and learned what it means to be a kingdom citizen. We learned that we are dual citizens of a heavenly kingdom and an earthly kingdom, and that we can honor King Jesus by seeking the welfare of those around us. Well, today, Pastor Trent will teach us how we can experience the kingdom of heaven in all its glorious splendor, even as we continue to do good here on earth. Here's Pastor Trent. We're to pray. Pray for Donald. Pray for Hillary. Pray for justice in the criminal justice system. Pray for our police. Pray for minorities. Pray for righteous laws to be passed. Pray for court rulings that promote human flourishing and create strong families. We're to serve the community. We're to serve the nation, relieve human suffering, especially eternal human suffering by giving them the gospel. We're to speak the truth in love as exiles. What if our families were strong? What if there was a moral authority that we carried? Because people say, I just don't understand why you don't have all these chaotic problems going on in your life. Yeah, well, there are some principles and boundaries that I live my life by that kind of prevents a lot of this. And then they come ask us questions. As American citizens, why are the kingdom citizens doing so well? It's because we've stayed within the guardrails of God's truth. And in doing so, they get the answers they're looking for. And we need to express our will for godliness and character through things like political elections. I've heard some people say, man, I, I, I'm looking at the candidates and I'm like, I'm not finding any particular candidate that I think is really aligned. I am understanding that. I don't know who I'm going to vote for, but I guarantee you I will vote. I may write in Nathan Scroggins or Micah Clutinati or somebody. I don't know. Why are you going to vote? Because I still can. And I have brothers and sisters in Christ living under incredible persecution who don't have any voice in who governs them. How am I going to meet them in heaven? And they look at me and say, you had a vote and you didn't use it? 20 years from now, are you going to be able to look into the eyes of your children who have lost their right to vote because they believe in Jesus Christ and stand for truth? And they're going to look at you and say, you had a right to vote and you didn't use it? We seek the welfare by the voice 
And the one vote, I am under no illusion that me going into that ballot box and casting my vote is going to sway the election in any particular way. But it is a gift that the founding fathers gave us, and we should vote. So as kingdom citizens, we seek the welfare of our earthly home, and then this, kingdom citizens are homesick for their eternal home. Remember when you were 12 years old, you went off to camp, and you just were so desperately sick for mom and dad, you really didn't have much appreciation for them while you were at home, but then when you got to camp, you realized mom and dad were awesome, and they had money, and um, they, they provided things that you couldn't provide for yourself, and it's like, I just, I just wish I was there. Or some of you who have lost a parent or a loved one, and they've gone on to heaven, and you miss them so much, and it's almost as if, I just wish I could see them. I wish, I, I want to be there. Well, of course you do, because as kingdom citizens, we realize this world is not our home. Look at this verse, Hebrews chapter 11. They, speaking of we, they are seeking a homeland. They desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Anybody want to vote for a better country? It's like, I'd like a better country. Yeah. Well, on, on, on an earthly scale, you're living in the best one. All right? But on a heavenly scale... We, as kingdom citizens, are looking forward to the upgrade. And do you know what's happening in that, in that heavenly homeland? There, there's no Alzheimer's. There's no cancer. There's no sin. There's no middle school. Thought I might get an amen. There's no middle schoolers in that homeland. It's a complete upgrade. There's nothing to learn. There's no school. You will have all the knowledge that God wants you to have in that homeland. There's no threats. There's no enemies. There's no sickness. There's no disease. God will wipe away every tear. Why would we not be homesick for that place? That's the purpose of this series, to understand that the kingdom of God transcends the kingdom of this world, and we should long to be a part of that homeland. So let's talk about the second word. That was citizen, second word, kingdom. Kingdom citizen. What is the kingdom of God? And here's the real question. Um, I don't really understand the kingdom, so help me understand that. Glad to do so. The kingdom of God is this. Here's the definition. It is simply the rule and the reign of God that transcends all other kingdoms. The rule in the reign of God. I remember seeing this word. As a matter of fact, if you would do a word study on this word kingdom through your Bible, you would be absolutely shocked how often this term appears in our Bibles. When we walked through the book of Matthew in 74 weeks a few years ago, if you were here for that, that whole book simply tells us, it reveals for us what is going on in the kingdom and how important the kingdom is to our daily lives. But this is what we believe as kingdom citizens. It is this, that the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all, all nations, all leaders, all families, all husbands, 
all middle schools, all middle schoolers, all churches, all pastors, all presidents, all elections. There is nothing that happens outside of God's control. There is not one square inch in the universe over which God is not completely and sovereignly exercising his kingship. He rules from a throne. And it is not a problem for him. He's not exhausted. He's not worried. He's not anxious. He rules the universe on the throne with his feet up. It's not a problem. And then this from Psalm 145, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Not only does it have universal dominion, but it has endless control over time. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. And so we have hope. Right before those verses, it says this, they shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power and make known to the children of men your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. That's what I want to do with the rest of the message. I want to make known to you the glorious splendor of his kingdom. So let me give you a little biblical history. Matter of fact, the history of the world in about three minutes, okay? God created everything. God chose a people, a family, and through the line of Abraham, he created a great nation. It was his promise that the, the, his descendants would outnumber the, the sands of the sea. And so he creates this kingdom, the nation of Israel, and he sets it up to govern it as a theocracy. God as king gives them his law and says, here's the way I want you to live. And for a period of time, they tried that. And then after a while, they became prosperous and they became a big, bad nation. And they looked around and they realized all the other nations around them had kings. And so the people began to demand a king. They went to the prophet Samuel. And in 1 Samuel chapter 8, we learn that the people said this, Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the other nations. It's like a kid walking through the toy aisle at Walmart. I want a toy. Everybody else has a toy. Why can't I have a toy? And so the people said, We want a king. Give us a king. We want to be like everybody else. Why can't we have a king? And Samuel said to the Lord, He, he told this to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people. Think about that. God told Samuel to give the people what they wanted, even though what the people wanted wasn't what God wanted. He said they want a king. Give them a king. And that was his way of sending judgment upon his people for desiring what God did not want them to have. And here's the reason he said that. He said, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. And so God gave them their first king. His name was Saul. Externally very impressive. On the inside, he was a spiritual donut hole. 
And so it, it turned into a collapse. The second king was David. He was the second flawed king of Israel. But on the inside, he had a heart for God. He made external mistakes. He externally sinned in many ways. It grieved God. He paid incredible consequences for it. But David was this king. And during the reign of David, God promised that a descendant from David would one day reign on a throne that would never end. Generation after generation after generation goes by. The people continue to rebel against God. They reject him as king. God finally sends ultimate judgment. He sends them into exile. 400 years of silence from God. God does not speak between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And finally, we open to Matthew chapter 1 and we find a baby in a manger. That baby had a cousin. His name was John the Baptist. And John, John the Baptist began to preach. And when he began to preach, according to Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist had a particular message he loved to preach. Here's what it is. Repent! Sounds like Harvest Bible Chapel, doesn't it? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then Jesus began to preach. Guess what the title of his message was? Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand, Matthew chapter 4. And then Jesus raised up some disciples and he told them to go out and preach. Guess what he told them to preach? Matthew chapter 4 and chapter 9. Jesus sent his disciples proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And then Jesus sent his disciples out in Matthew chapter 10 saying, Go and say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know what is... The reality, the kingdom of God has already arrived. It is here, right here, right now. You don't have to wait for the kingdom or the king. It's accessible right now if you are a kingdom citizen. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, the kingdom of God has come upon you. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus said, you can know the secrets of the kingdom. And he gives us parable after parable, story after story, which begin with this phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he describes it because he wants us to know the secrets of the kingdom. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says to one of his disciples, Peter, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And finally, Jesus dies on the cross. He's raised from the dead. He ascends back to his father. But before he does, he gathers his disciples in Acts chapter 1. And the Bible says that he, after his ascension, he taught them for 40 days. What would Jesus spend 40 days teaching his disciples right before he goes back to heaven? It tells us he taught them for 40 days about the kingdom. And then we go all through the gospel of, or, or the, the book of Acts. The, the, uh, the disciples are planting churches everywhere. We get to the very last verse of the book of Acts. And this is what it says. They were proclaiming the kingdom of God with all 
boldness and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. That's our theme verse for the Be Bold series. I introduced it to you last year about this time. And that's what we're to be all about. We're to be talking and proclaiming the kingdom. But how often do you even use that term or think in those terms as a kingdom citizen? We get into the New Testament and 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 says, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 28 says, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. All that to say, the kingdom of God has already arrived. And if you really believed that, you wouldn't be freaking out every time there's an election. No matter what we see going on in the news, no matter how great the enemy threat, no matter how weak the economy, no matter how corrupt the government, no matter how intense the persecution, no matter who sits in the Oval Office, no matter if the United States rises or falls, kingdom citizens rest their hope on this. God is still on his throne. Jesus is our king and his kingdom reigns over all. Stop freaking out. You're a kingdom citizen. Now, I know what you're saying. Some of you are saying, then why is my husband such a jerk? Why do I have to go to middle school? Why do I have cancer? Why am I depressed? Why did my parents get a divorce? Why do I have all these issues? Why do I feel so unloved? Why am I lonely? If the kingdom of God has already arrived, then why do we see such chaos in the world? Because it looks like there's a lot of places where the rule and the reign of God is not being realized. The Bible affirms what you just expressed. The kingdom of God has not yet been fully realized. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 24 then comes the end. Speaking of a future day, the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father. So Jesus, King Jesus, God the Son, one day will deliver his kingdom full and complete to the Father. When will that be? After destroying every rule and every authority and every power. You see, right now, the kingdom of God is clashing with the kingdoms of this world. There are rival kings and rival kingdoms that compete for the control and the sovereignty of God. Some of you are sitting here, well, yeah, I mean, the Democrats, the Republicans, ISIS my middle school math teacher, and, and you're thinking of all these enemies. Listen, I am much more concerned about the rival king that lives on the inside of me that is constantly grabbing for control that belongs to God. I am much more concerned about the unfinished business and the parts of king me 
that have yet to be conquered by the rule and the reign of God than I am any external kingdom. Part of the rule and the authority of the power that is yet to be destroyed lives inside of me, and it lives inside of you. And so while we are waiting, we're in a battle of clashing kingdoms, and we are living in the land in between the already established kingdom and the not yet fully realized kingdom. And so the question becomes, what do I do in between? Glad you ask. Here's the truth. The kingdom of God is shining through kingdom citizens. When Jesus came as that little baby in a manger, do you know what was happening? The kingdom of God was cracking into the kingdoms of this world. And with every word Jesus spoke, there was a crack in the kingdoms of this world. And the kingdom of God was shining through that crack. And with every miracle he performed, it was the rule and the reign of God happening on earth as it was already happening in heaven. With every demon he cast out, it was a preview of coming attraction for the day that one day all enemies will be, will be vanquished. With his death and his resurrection and the establishment of his church, Jesus brought to the kingdoms of this world a glimpse of the kingdom of heaven. And so we have hope that the kingdoms of this world will one day be the kingdoms of our Lord. Revelation chapter 15, chapter 11, verse 15, giving us a glimpse of what one day will happen. There were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the, the authority of his Christ have come. So we're waiting for that day. And yet while we wait, what did Jesus tell us to pray? We've already prayed it. We are to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how does that happen? Do you understand that wherever you are on earth, whatever your physical address is, wherever this church meets together, it is possible for the kingdom of God to come and be more fully realized on this particular section of earth as we pray that God would send his kingdom. So how does that happen? It's when we seek first the kingdom of God. Do you know Matthew 6.33? You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. We're to seek more of his reign, more of his rule, more of his will, more of his ways in our lives, the kingdom of our hearts. We're to pursue with the greatest philosophy a, a life that God says is righteous. And when we pursue what is righteous, the kingdom of God comes to that particular section and the will of God is done on that lot of earth 
as it is being done in heaven. Not self-righteousness, but supernatural righteousness. And when the kingdom of God comes and invades the territory of my heart, the stronghold of my little kingdom bows to his authority. And the kingdom of God comes right here, right now. There is a sense in which we will experience the kingdom fully realized only then, only there. But when we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, in me, in my church, in my family, in my nation, as it is being done in heaven, then there's another crack in the kingdom. Every time you hear the word of God, you lean into it and you listen and obey and you change your life. Do you know what happens in your life? The kingdom of God comes right here, right now. Every time you express love for someone, it is hard to love. Do you know what happens? The kingdom comes and the will of God is done on earth as it is being done right now in heaven. Every time you forgive someone who doesn't deserve it, every time you serve your spouse, your children, your church, the kingdom of God comes on earth. Every time you tell someone the good news of Jesus Christ, every time you deny your flesh and you direct your passion solely to Christ, every time you restrain your flesh and put your sexuality within the boundaries of his will, the kingdom of God comes comes to your sexuality and his will is done on earth as it is being done in heaven. Every time a teenager submits to the authority of his parents, every time a church is planted, every time a disciple is made, every time praise is sung, every time an older saint endures sickness and hardship and loneliness with joy rather than being bitter and grumpy and complaining. The kingdom of God comes to that nursing home or comes to you in your loneliness and the will of God is done on earth as it is being done in heaven. Every time you crush anger, fear, anxiety, and bitterness with the overwhelming hope and love and joy of being a kingdom citizen. The kingdom of God comes and every time we erupt with praise and sing our faces off to our king, the kingdom of God comes to that people and it's fully realized on earth as it is in heaven, in that moment, in that spot. Are you a kingdom citizen? If you're not a kingdom citizen, you should become one. You should come and bow your heart to King Jesus. The Bible tells us that we are to receive the kingdom as little children, dependent completely on the protection of our King. We are waiting with great hope for the day the promise of Revelation 11:15 becomes our reality, that the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. What an incredible promise to those who by faith have received forgiveness of sin through Jesus Christ.
Until that day, we walk in obedience to God and his word, crushing sin in our lives and bringing the light of the gospel into the lives of those around us. Well, thanks for listening today to Resonate with Trent Griffith. And we'd love to invite you to one of our weekend worship services now on two campuses, Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. on our Granger, Indiana campus, or Sundays at 10 a.m. on our St. Joseph, Michigan campus. For our campus locations and for more information about Harvest Granger, visit us online at harvestgranger.org. I'm Aaron Paulus, and I hope that God's word will resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger, harvestgranger.org.